chapter 2, the lights, so you can see a little bit. Um, as you're turning there, I'll tell you that our community groups, our summer groups are going to start uh, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. Uh, they'll be in the fellowship hall. We'll have dinner, uh, like right after work. You can come over. Uh, there'll be dinner. There'll be, we'll have everyone in the room and that kind of stuff. So I'll talk more about that next week. That'll start a week from Wednesday. If you and some friends or you and a community group, whatever, would like to, uh, to cook dinner for one of those deals, we'll pay for it. Uh, well, well, we collectively will pay for it. Um, and uh, you know, so we'll pay you back and stuff. But if you're just like, hey, it'd be fun to get some friends together and cook for that, uh, just let us know. We only have one Wednesday that's been claimed so far. And so uh, that'll be coming up soon. And... Um, the only other thing I want to announce is that Megan Kelly is on vacation. So let's let her be there, okay? She's at home in Kentucky. Just leave her there, right? Just don't, don't, uh, well, not forever, you know, but um, at least for this week. Uh, so that's happening, and tonight we're, we're going to get back into our series in Mark, and, uh, and I'm thankful that the... The songs we've been singing, the truths we've been singing are, um, are real for us. And as we study our way through Mark, we're able to see that, that Jesus came to accomplish a number of things. Uh, one of them is to free us from the bondage of sin and death and, and allow us to come into this, this kingdom of his now, you know. It's not just about what happens when you pass away. It's about life here and now inside the kingdom. And as he goes about his life, he's teaching about the kingdom and he's demonstrating things about the kingdom. Because sometimes, you know, you can, you can learn something, but then you kind of need to, like, put your hands to it to really understand. You know, it's like, it's like we were coming through school and you take science classes and there were, there were times when there would be a lecture and then there would be times there would be a lab. And in the lab, you got to learn what the lecture was all about. And Jesus' life was kind of like that. There were times when he was in lecture mode, and there were times when it was like a lab day. And uh, this is going to be one of those lab days for us. And uh, if you're a note taker, you're going to hate me today. I'm sorry. I don't have a, like, it's not like three nice, neat little points or anything. This is going to be like the, like the Chinese buffet of sermons, right? Like you go to a Chinese buffet, and, and you know, your first time through the Chinese buffet, you're kind of getting a little bit of everything to figure out what you like, and the second time, you just like pile it up, you know? So you might be one of those people that goes through all these points, and there's a little something of everything that you like, a nice balanced plate. Or you might just go pile it up with sesame chicken. I don't really know. There might be one point that you're just like, that was it for me. Or they might all make sense to you. It's a grab bag, do what you want with it. But we're just going to go through the story, and we'll pull out some things that I believe are worth noting. So this is a story you might be familiar with. Let's read it together. And when This is verse 1 of chapter 2 in Mark. When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. 
And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof from above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Okay, so this was a story I grew up hearing in Vacation Bible School because it's so easy to reenact, you know, and you can, you can just imagine that you're sitting in, in, a, in a living room or in a crowded room or in a sanctuary or something like that, and then, like, the, the roof rips away, and, like, this, they lower down this uh, someone on a mat. You know, like, you can really visualize that and grab onto it. And there's so much in this story, so much in this story. I'm just going to start at the beginning and kind of roll through. Um, the first two verses... Notice that uh, where, what, it, what this tells us and what it doesn't tell us. It says, verse 1, When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So, this happened in the place where Jesus lived. Now, a lot of times we think of Jesus as not having a residence, you know, that, that he was, was homeless in a sense, that he was always traveling around and stuff. But Capernaum was the town that he called home during his time of ministry. And he had a definite place where he lived. So the homeowner who had the roof torn off that day was probably Jesus. Or this was the place that he called home, so it was like home to him, whether he was technically the owner or not. So we're not talking about some random house somewhere. We're talking about Jesus' house. And they tore the roof off the sucker, right? So... um, P-Funk, anyone? All right, man, struggling. So, verse 2, many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. So he comes back off of this regional preaching tour, gets back home. Was he tired? Probably. Was he glad to be at home? Probably. Could he have said, hey, not today, guys? Probably. But he's preaching the word of the kingdom to them. And I think it's worth noting that you are not too much for Jesus. Like we do see times in his, earth, in his earthly ministry where he's, he kind of like goes off by himself and kind of avoids the crowds and, and recharges his batteries and stuff. But this is one of those times where I think this is indicative of our reality now that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That he doesn't get tired. You know, he's not worn out from traveling. He's not like, look, I just want to be home. I just want to be a homebody for a little bit. That we're not too much for him. That when we bring things to him, he's there preaching the word to us, just like he's preaching the word to them. He's interceding for us 
in the same way. And so if there's a part of you that is hesitant about coming to Jesus, you need to let that thought kind of go away. And that usually originates like somewhere for us. It usually originates when, we, when the authority figures that we grew up around would, would push us to the side sometimes. You know, it kind of made you feel like you were an annoyance, like you weren't that important. You know? um, especially the men, not exclusively the men, but a lot of times the men in our lives, if, if growing up you had a dad or a grandfather or some sort of authority, like a, like a male figure in your life that was either not there for you or uh, was always too busy to really take care of you. We tend to project that onto the Lord, and we kind of buy into this belief that, I mean, He doesn't really care about this, you know, whatever it is. Um, so maybe, maybe the part of the buffet tonight for you is that idea, that you're not too much for Him, ever. That no matter what the authority figures in your life growing up shaped in you, Jesus is an exception to everything. Even the best authority figures, Jesus far exceeds them in terms of availability and power and goodness. And so we're not too much for him. So verse 3 says, Then they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So... I mean, it's exactly what we think it is, right? The, you, you're trying to get into this room. You can't. These, uh, assuming that, that there are, um, that there's, this is the way that it worked. One on each corner carrying a mat from a paralytic man. Most of the time in this day, those uh, who, were, who were paralyzed would position themselves around town and they would beg and ask people for help. And so that was probably this man's life, either from birth or maybe there was an accident or, or something like that. And somewhere along the way, these four guys had some sort of encounter with this person. And so they decide, either amongst themselves, or you know, maybe the guy on the mat was like, hey, can you get me in there? But we don't really know what that conversation looked like. But they are carrying him, trying to get him to Jesus. Can't get into into the because of the crowds, and so they're like, "Well, we can't go through. We'll go over. Get up on the roof, start tearing things away, rip a hole in there, lower him down." That is a picture for us. That's a picture of intercession. That's one of those you know words to kind of throw around, you know. But intercession is really you're standing in the gap for someone. You're the you're the middleman. You're the bridge. You are, um, you're playing that role. You're interceding. And so when we talk about intercession, we usually are talking about prayer. Of saying, hey, I'm going to pray for this person. And along with that, this is imagery that can be downloaded into us, is I'm going I'm to carry this person to Jesus. Like it might just be me grabbing all four corners of the mat, but I'm getting this person to the Lord. Or you enlist some friends, you enlist your community group, you enlist you know, whomever. Like we're, gonna, we're all going to do this, but we're going to carry this person to Jesus. Because Jesus is exactly, like he's the only one that can do what we need done. Like he is who is needed here. But that's what we do, that's who we are. We're intercessors. That's what Jesus is doing for us. 
And so right now, as we are, as we're worshiping and we're studying, we're praying, all of this is going through Jesus to the Father. He's in the middle. He's reinforcing our, our prayers. Uh, he is uh, giving them power. He is uh, our advocate. And so Jesus does that for us, and we do that for one another. And this is an image that we can think of, of like, hey, we really just need to carry this person to Jesus. We need to carry this, this particular issue to him. You know, a few weeks ago, um, like, the, like our whole city was really nervous because the Department of Justice was going to release their findings about the Elton Sterling shooting. And, and, and people were just like unsure of what was going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And so um, we, on a Sunday night, we prayed and we asked God to just do some miraculous things. To, like Daniel in the lion's den, like, hey, let's just, the whole city that could react a whole bunch of different ways on all sides of the issue. Everyone has the capacity to completely just misrepresent uh, themselves and the truth and whatever. All the way across the board, you could just see it going a million different ways and so many of them not good. So God, you held the, the lion's mouth closed. Could you just help our city to just be peaceful and to be real and uh, to be respectful and could you just do something that's going to push all of our fears to the side? We asked him to do that. We carried that issue to the Lord. Like we, we all got around a mat and we put that issue on the mat and we went to Jesus. And we didn't have to cut a hole in the roof or wait in line. We got to go right to him. We brought this to him and we set it down before him. We we're like, hey, only you can, can do this. And sure enough, what happened? Did our city burn down? Did it? No. No. Did God hear our prayers and answer them? I, yes. You know, it's, it's so easy when, thing, when God does what we ask him to do to like kind of rationalize it. Like, well, you know, this and this and this and this. Or could it be that God just heard believers all over our city just being like, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us? I'm not saying it's because this church prayed. I think it's because his people all across the city carried this to him. And he responded. That's intercession for a problem, for an idea. We do that for people. We do that for one another, that we're constantly, that's what we're supposed to do. But if we can think, man, we're, we're going we're gonna to tear a hole in the roof of this building and lower it to him, then that's, and that's who we are. That's what, that's what we do. And thankfully, we don't have to go to such extremes. Because he's not, there are no obstacles between us and him anymore because of what he has done. So that is intercession, and that's who we are, and that's what we do. Sometimes you're the guy on the mat. Like sometimes you have to look around and be like, hey, uh, I need to get to Jesus, and I don't, I don't know that I uh, can get there on my own. It's a part of why community groups are so, are so important to us. You have a group of people who are like, hey, if, if you need help getting to him, we're, we're all about carrying you there. And if you think you can get there on your own, cool, we're going to be right beside you anyway. So there are times when you're the guy on the mat. There's sometimes when you're one of the guys grabbing onto the corner of the mat. But no matter what, this is a part, like this is who we are. This is what we do. So verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Okay, so when he saw their faith, 
It doesn't say when he saw the, the man on the mat's faith. It says when he saw their faith. So it could be all five of them. It could just be the four. But it definitely wasn't only one. The likelihood is that he's talking about the men who carried him in. The ones who tore the hole in the roof. The ones who figured out a way to lower him down. That when Jesus saw their faith, the intercessors, he looked at the man and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, what does, that, what does that tell us? It tells us as intercessors that God responds to our faith even when we're believing on behalf of another. That it doesn't require the object of our intercession, like the, uh, the person that we're inter- interceding for, they don't have to have faith in order for Jesus to respond. But sometimes I think that's kind of how we feel, you know? It's like, well, yeah, but if the guy on the mat, what if, what if he doesn't have the faith? But this says, no, Jesus is not really, he's not even necessarily talking about that guy's faith. He's like, look at this group. Look at their belief in, in who I am. And so as people who intercede for each other, let's say that we're, we're, we're bringing a person to Jesus, like we're carrying them to Jesus. It could be about their salvation. It could be about them them returning to the Lord. It could be a a health issue. It could be um, a marriage issue, a financial issue. It could be uh, just consequences of decisions. There's all kinds of reasons why we bring people to Jesus, that we carry them to him. Jesus is looking at our faith as the intercessors. Like He's paying attention to that. Like We're the ones that believe, like, hey... uh, You can do this. Like, you can fix this. You can heal this. You can restore this. You can redeem this. We as intercessors are the ones that have the faith. That'd be great if the person on the mat also has faith, but there are a lot of times when that's the reason they're on the mat. That's the reason why they need people to go to bat for them, to be advocates for them. And so we cannot get hung up on... The, uh, the beliefs and where, and where people are in their journey and have that keep us from intercession. We as the ones holding on to corners of the mat are like, no, getting to Jesus, that is all that matters. So we're going to pray. We're going to carry them there in prayer. Whether it's a person or an issue, whatever it is, God, Jesus is paying attention to our faith as intercessors as much as he's paying attention to the faith of those we're interceding for. Now that should encourage us to pray for the impossible on behalf of others. That should encourage us to pray for healing and restoration and redemption and all these things. To pray for salvation of people that we think will never, ever open up to the fact that Jesus loves them and died for them. That it cannot be about the likelihood or unlikelihood of that person ever realizing it. It's about us being like, Jesus, you are who they need. And that's it. So we're going to go to battle. We're going to ask you to do amazing, amazing things. Several weeks ago, we were looking at one of these stories. It's another story like this where it's like a lab kind of thing. And, and Jesus you know, is a healer. So we had, well, all right, we're going to take some time. We're going to pray for physical healing in the service. And healings came from that time. That's like... And so... 
maybe there are times when us as, as intercessors, we need to be like, hey, let's, let's take him up on it. Like, we believe he can do it. Let's, what's keeping us from asking him? We have all these reasons why we're worried about this and worried about this and worried about this. And then you're like, yeah, these guys, they're just like, we just got to get them there. Jesus can do whatever he wants to. Once, once our friend is in his presence, then that's like, that's, we've, done our, we've done our job. We're trusting Jesus to do what he wants to do. And I know that that's complicated. I, know that, I understand all the layers to that. I do. But that is not our job. Our job is not to be Jesus. Our job is to be the four friends in this story. The intercessors. Jesus pays attention to our faith. Now there's another part of this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Now this could be one of those times where Jesus, uh, you know, like in, later in the story, like uh, the Holy Spirit is telling Jesus, like, hey, these, these scribes are questioning this, you know. Like it says that it was in his spirit like he knew that they were questioning in their hearts to themselves. But this part doesn't say that in his spirit he saw their faith. It, says in, it just says he saw their faith. So is this a time when Jesus like stares right into the depths of a situation in someone's soul? Or is it literally talking about him teaching about the kingdom and then like bits of whatever start to fall in the ceiling and everyone's like, what's going on here? And he watches the ceiling start to come apart. And he watches them lower this man into the room. I think it's saying he literally saw their faith because faith is action. It's your, what you believe, but it's when you put it into action. Like you do something about it. So I think it's like he literally saw it. Like when it was all said and done, I think he was like, whoa. Like you guys really really believe this. You're not just putting lip service to it. You're like putting action to it. You weren't discouraged by the crowds. You didn't, you know, like you weren't, uh, there's all the excuses you would have had in the world, but no, you're like, no, we're going to tear the roof off. That our actions get the attention of Jesus. And there are plenty of times for us when, when we believe something, but it's not really belief to the point of action yet. You know, you, like you, the, all the analogies in the world are talking about, you know, you can believe that those pews are going to hold you, but faith is when you actually sat down in it. And there are times for us when, when our belief it has to push into faith by being put into action. So for them, it was tearing the roof off and lowering the man down. For us, I think it is as simple as um, believing, like we believe that Jesus is, is who we need or who someone needs. But I think it's really like bringing ourselves before him. And actively asking, like, God, will, will you work this miracle? Will you heal, restore, redeem, reunite? Will you, will you do this? And I'm going to ask you in faith, and just in case you're wondering, I'm going to ask you tomorrow also, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Like, I'm, I'm going to wear you out with these requests because I believe it. To the point where I'm going to speak it and beg you for it. 
I'm going to cry over this. I'm going to celebrate over this. I'm going to, like, whatever it is, like, I'm, going to, I'm going to actively go after this. Because it's not just lip service. I, just don't, I don't just believe this in my mind. I'm going to actually sit down on this. I'm going to tear the roof off and drop down my like, issue or my friend to you. I'm going, I'm going to put legs to this. This is not just going to remain in this part of my, of my brain where I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure Jesus can do it. I'm like, no, I'm going to go after it. And Jesus saw their faith. And said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, verse 6. Some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they questioned, uh, they thus questioned with themselves, uh, said, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? So, of course, what he's getting at is like, well, sure, anyone can come in and be like, hey, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. There's no way to, really, you can't prove that. Right? There's no evidence of that. He's like, sure, you guys want to, you guys want to, like, you want to tangle with me a little bit? Like, you want to wrestle over this? Like, yeah, I'll acknowledge the fact it's much easier to do that. Like, only God can do that, and so I can come in and say it, and you can't prove it or disprove it, and so, sure, you want to, like, label me a heretic or whatever, that's fine. But um, I'm just going to settle the score now before it can get too far in your minds. Um, verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So here's, a, here's one of my last points. That Jesus is always working. Sometimes you can see it, and sometimes you can't see it. Sometimes Jesus is working in a way that's like, uh, rise, take up your bed, and go home. Like it's really, really, it's, it's evident, it's visible. It's physical, or it has some sort of like tangible, like you can track it, you know. Like, you can be like, I prayed for this, and then Jesus did this. There it is. There are times when he is working among us in that way. But then there are times when he's working in ways that are not visible and trackable. Like, son, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes it's exactly what you want. It's always exactly what you need, you know. Like, he needed to be forgiven of his sins. He didn't need to be healed. He wanted to be healed. What he had, though, he, what, like what he needed, though, he got from Jesus. So here's this, here's this man who gets to benefit so much from the scribes kind of being jerks, you know. He gets both. He gets what he wants and he gets what he needs. But for us, I think we can step back from the story a little bit and recognize, like, man... Do I trust that Jesus is always at work, even if I don't see it in tangible ways? That he is changing and transforming me, that, he, that that like morphing is happening internally, even if it hasn't really shown up externally yet. Even if it never shows up externally. Like, what if, like, would this, could this man have gone away from this experience being like, well, I mean, it would be, it would be nice if he had healed me, because I believe he can do that, but he forgave me. And since I'm going to die anyway, one day, 
That's what I really, that's the most important thing to me. I was, was talking with a friend this week who, um, who is about my age and has a cancer diagnosis. And uh, we were talking about this story and we were talking about just healing in the Bible. And he was like, man, he's like, he's like I tell people all the time, you know, everybody that Jesus ever healed eventually died. He's like, as much as I want to be healed, and much, you know, he's like, I have all these reasons for that. He's like, but you know what? At the end of the day, we're all going to die. There's really just one thing that we need settled. And so Jesus is at work internally with us. If we're hung up on the external things, then we're living by sight more than we're living by faith. But Paul says, no, it's got to be the other way around. That we live by faith, not by sight. So is there a belief deep within us, deep within where you are in this moment and this day, of, hey, Jesus is at work in my life? I would love to have like tangible, measurable proof of it, but if, even if not, I, I know that he has healed me, he's given me a new identity, he has forgiven me, and he is making me into his image. It may be slower than I wish, you know, but he is at work. And he's at work in those I'm interceding for. That he's responding to my faith. And so if you're praying for the salvation of someone who doesn't know the Lord, or you're praying for healing in any possible way, or you're praying for all these different things, you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to come before the Lord, I'm going to intercede, I'm going to carry this uh, person, this need to Jesus, and I know that, that he is going to hear me and respond, and I will not, I'll try not to get hung up on what I'm seeing. But a belief that Jesus is paying attention to me. Because he loves me and I'm his, and he is big enough, and that he is doing something. He is at work in invisible ways and invisible ways. And I'm going to continue to just bring, like, like to be an intercessor. I'm going to bring myself to him. I'm going to bring my family to him. I'm going to bring my kids to him. I'm going to bring my uh, neighbors to him. I'm going to bring my neighborhood to him. I'm going to bring my city to him. I'm going to bring the nations to him. And he's going to do his thing. I'm going to do my part. He's going to do his part. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. So then we see three responses. Here you go, last thing. Verse 12. Well, we saw one response already. The first response is the scribes who were opposing Jesus. So forgiveness, grace, and truth, and all those things, are, people are going to resist it. There will be times when you're interceding for someone, and you're praying for them, and you're speaking that to them, you're encouraging them, they're just like, oh, whatever, I don't want anything to do with that. And they're pushing you away, or they're, they're finding a logical way around it, you know. If I were to tell people, like, no, I think that the reason why uh, Baton Rouge came peacefully through the Department of Justice thing is, I think, because believers are praying. Be like, oh, no, it's just because of this or this or this or this. And that's just going to happen. There are going to be people who are going to want to push away from that. And there's nothing we can do about that. I don't want to be counted among them. I want to be counted among verse 12. He rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all, 
so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Like, I want to be counted among the ones who are paying attention and who are like, man, God's doing, he's doing stuff. Like, he's at work among us. And people are like, yeah, but this and this and this, or what about this and this? I'm like, hey, okay, fine, we're not there yet necessarily, but he is at work among us. We're going to praise him, we're going to glorify him. When it's time to sing the Lion and the Lamb, we're going to like let it groove a little bit. Right? I was stood in the back. I was like, oh, people in here, they want to clap. They want to move a little bit, but they can't. I don't know why. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. But to be amazed and to continue to be like, I've never, I just cannot believe that this is real life. Even in the hard stuff. I cannot believe that Jesus says, your sins are forgiven and we can just rest in that. My whole life might fall, might fall apart. Every circumstance might come against me and I can say, you know what? You can't touch this part of my life because Jesus is guarding me and keeping me forever. So I want to be among that group who's like, man, we've never seen anything like this. But I also want to be like the man on the mat. Jesus says, get up, go, take your bed. And he's like, okay. Is that the ice cream man? <laughs> Rock on. Everybody's digging for change in their pockets. Jesus says, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up and took his mat and went home. There are so many times when the Bible says, hey, this is who you are. Like you, I'm giving you this healing, this redemption, this forgiveness, this reality. And I think he wants us to like scoop it up and go and live free and full lives. So I want to be counted as the man on the mat who's been healed. I want to be counted as the crowd who's amazed and praising God who never see anything like this. I want to be counted among the intercessors who are just trying to carry people to Jesus, willing to rip a hole in the roof if we need to. I don't want to be counted among the ones who are like kind of finding a way around it and that kind of stuff and finding a reason not to believe it. I just want to be counted among the faithful. And you do too. I know you do. That's who we are. And so here we are in, the, in the, one of the lab days. It's not a lecture day. It's a lab day. And Jesus is like, okay, here's what the kingdom looks like. Bring people to me. Let me do my thing. That's who we are. And so whether you're the person on the mat or you're someone who's carrying uh, them or you're in the crowd and you're an observer or however this fits in, even if you're the one who's like trying to like find a way around it, miracles are for you. Like miracles are for those who who are skeptics at what's going on. So you're in the story somewhere. You're everywhere, maybe except for Jesus. You're not him. But he's with us. He's offering himself to us. We'll take communion in a, communion in a second. That's him offering his body and blood to us continually. Saying, this is what you need. We're saying, yeah, that's exactly what I need. You tear the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. Dip it in the, in the juice, the blood of Christ poured out for you. One after another, after another, after another. There's enough of him to go around. And you're not too much for him. So as we respond in a second, Chris and Melissa are going to be serving communion. Everyone is invited into the communion line. If you want what Jesus has to offer you, you're welcome. And we'll sing. 
And if you want to come and kneel down here and pray, like maybe, maybe there's someone that you feel called to intercede for. Or maybe you're the person on the mat who's like, hey, I just need, I need some helpers. You know? uh, we're going to spend these closing moments responding to the goodness of Jesus in these different ways. And so whatever, however that fits in for you, I want to just invite you to freely respond to the things he's stirring through the word, through the songs, through the movement of the room. Okay, so let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, what a gift to us um, in passages like this. Um, just to have these scriptures and a story that we can visualize. Thank you for just knowing us so well. Knowing sometimes we would need to be taught in like a lecture kind of situation. Other times we would need a lab where we can just see it in action. And visualize it and sense it. And um, Thank you God for the things that you teach us through uh, just in both situations. And certainly Father there are people in this room who... Um, some of us are like the scribes who are pushing away from what you're doing. We're trying to find a, a reason around it or a reason to object to it. And God, I, honestly, I, I just pray you would overwhelm that. That you would overwhelm uh, them with truth and with love, just like you did with those scribes. You're like, hey, let me set the record straight. That this could be a time when, um, when that happens for even the most skeptical among us. God, for those who are, uh, for those who are wanting to intercede, who are who are burdened by uh, friends and relatives, uh, or situations around the world and in our city, um, as intercessors, would you help us to think about these four men and allow us to step into that same role, to take that seriously, that we would have the faith in believing, hey, Jesus, you're the only one that can fix this. And that we would be faithful to carry uh, people and situations and burdens to you. And for those in the room who would identify with the man on the mat, um, remind them that they're not alone. That you're surrounded by people who are also either there or have been there. That you've given us one another. That the blessing and keeping that we speak over one another comes in all forms, and sometimes we're giving it, and sometimes we're receiving it. Jesus, that you would remind us that you are offering your body and blood to all of us, whether we're like the scribes, or we're like the friends, or we're like the man on the mat, or we're like the crowd who's just standing back in amazement, just not sure what's going on. Thank you that there's enough of you for us, for all of us. As we respond at your table and in prayer and in singing would you help just connect some dots for us that these responses would play the role they're supposed to play before we take off together tonight we love you we are so thankful in these few moments Lord we just focus in and receive what you have for us we pray this in Jesus name Amen alright the table is open you can come when you're ready let's just respond together for a few minutes